0: Excellent. It's always a good start when people say "Good morning" back to you. Um, so, Olympic-sized. Um, the title um, this morning that I'm working off is Olympic-sized clothes. Um, Leon sent out an email a while ago asking people that were going to speak of what their titles were going to be and I, I prayed into this and I really couldn't shake the idea of Olympic sized clothes and so I duly emailed that back and uh, a, couple of months, well, a couple of weeks later I got an email back with all, all everyone else's titles who were speaking and there were things like Olympic sized legacy and Olympic sized determination and suddenly I looked at my title of Olympic sized clothes and began to panic somewhat that maybe <laughs> I'm going in the wrong direction. Um, but I can assure you uh, that it's definitely Olympic-sized clothes, clothes that God has really spoken to me about this morning. Uh, and why Olympic-sized clothes? I know I'm quite a portly gent, um, but I can assure you these are not Olympic-sized clothes. There isn't a store where you go for Olympic-sized clothes. I have proof of this. I got uh, fitted for a best man suit. Uh, my best, one of my first friend's, friends is getting married in Wigan. And um, the woman who measured me said, do you want to know the measurements? And I assured her that I didn't. And she goes, it doesn't matter, you're a 32 anyway, everyone's a 32 in this store. So I'm a winner. <laughs> so that, that, was a nice, that was a nice day, to be honest. Um, But God really speaks to me through my clothing and has done over the years. I'm not saying that fashion is my driver, as you can probably tell. And uh, some of you that know me knows that I'm still wearing the same clothes that I wore when I was 15. So fashion is not something that really follows me about But my relationship with my clothes is very, very important to me. And I love that God still speaks to me through my clothes, which is great. Um, For those of you that don't know me, a bit of background. I studied uh, to be a teacher at Liverpool University, where I did a B.E.D. for four to five years. Um, and those of you that know me uh, even closer know that the lifestyle that I live now is very, very different to the lifestyle that I lived in Liverpool, which I spent this four or five years over there. And basically this, my journey in Liverpool was marred by one of uh, being a drug addict and an alcoholic, which was, uh, which was always strange, training to be a teacher. So you hold on to little truths when you're in this situation. And one of these truths was never go into school inebriated or out of control. And it's like an excuse to yourself that what you're doing is okay. And sometimes sticking to these promises are are quite difficult. Um, And to be honest, it got even more difficult as my life in Liverpool went on. As I really delved into the culture and my house, we decided it wasn't going to be a house anymore. We turned our house into a commune where between, on every night between 20 to 40 people would be staying where they could take whatever substances they wanted whenever they wanted and it was somewhere that they could stay for however long that they wanted as well. And so this promise of never go to school or a teaching practice being out of control or inebriated was a difficult one to keep. And so in my third year, I decided I needed to remove myself from that to stick to my promise for my teaching practice. And a friend of mine was studying in Germany, so I rang her up and she said I could borrow her flat, which was fantastic, and I remember this flat. It was um, above a shop, the shop was called Star Fashion, anything you want for under a fiver, it was a fantastic little shop. And then you go up and then there was the first floor where the flat was I was staying, and there was a second floor as well. And things were going really well there, I was managing to stick to my promise, and teaching practice was going well. Now on a Thursday night I would normally be out and I'd be gigging around and playing guitar in various pubs and clubs but because I was on teaching practice I decided not to and I decided to stay in and get an early night and so I went to bed, as you do, and tucked myself in, not really ready for what was going to happen next. I got woken up a couple of hours later and... um, you know when you wake up in a daze and you're not really sure what's going on? I was in one of those dazes. And uh, I was being woken up by the fact that there was my doorbell was being continually rung, like non-stop. It was like an absolute alarm going off. But it was my doorbell that was being pressed continually. And I heard shouts and screams on the street. And I was like, oh, what is Liverpool doing to me? Why is Liverpool doing this to me now? I'm on my teaching practice. So I decided just to roll over, thought it was just kids and they'd leave me alone. But after about four minutes, four or five minutes, the doorbell was still ringing and the sh- shouts and screams from outside were getting louder and louder. And so I thought, well, I'm going to have to do something about this. I'm never going to sleep. And so I thought, right, I've got to see what's going to happen. And I jumped out of bed in my box of shorts, ready for action to go and face the streets of Liverpool, which is quite a scary thought when you think how ready you were at that point. So I thought, I'm going to make a grand entrance out into the street and confront everybody what's going on. So you know those times when you prepare yourself and you fling doors open, ready to march through and stomp out somewhere, you're a man on a mission. And this was me in my boxer shorts about to be a man on a mission on the streets of Liverpool. And I flung open my bedroom door and the sight absolutely terrified me. The whole landing of the flat was on fire. And not only that, but the living room was on fire over to the right and all the stairs that were leading down to the ground were on fire too. I later found out that a petrol bomb had been put through the letterbox and that had set fire to the stairs coming up to the landing and it also shorted all the electricity in the flat and it wasn't a doorbell going off, it was in fact uh, alarms going off in the shop downstairs. And to be honest, what do you do in that situation? My first thought was, that's a fire. (laughs) Crikey. And if I'm being completely honest, that was my second thought, my third thought and my fourth as well. That's a fire. But my fifth thought was one I will never, ever shake. I'm in my pants. (laughs) And that's a fire. (laughs) And so I decided in this instance that I was not equipped to tackle with the fiery situation in front of me in just my pants. And so I decided to go off and go and find a t-shirt that would be suitable to tackle the situation that I was in. Logic just goes out the window. So I went, turned around, and started rifling through my wardrobe. I didn't just pick the first t shirt, you had to understand. This had to be a very particular t shirt. And I went through three or four t shirts before I decided which one would be the right one to wear in this situation. So I put it on, and I was ready to tackle the situation. What do you do? You're stuck in your bedroom. And so, with a sudden rush of adrenaline, I found myself running and leaping through the high um, hallway to try and get to the stairs that were over to the left that would lead me up to the upstairs flat. I thought, they've got to know, and there's got to be a way out. And I, I couldn't do it now. I can't believe I did it at a time. I found myself running and jumping through this fiery hallway. It was terrifying. And I ran up the stairs. And just relieved to be out of the fire. And I started banging on the door. I wasn't even making words at this point. I was just making noises out loud. And uh, the guy who lived upstairs was a man named Colin. I met Colin once. And uh, so banging on the door. Colin was blatantly in bed as well. And as he flung open the door, ready to give me a, a barrage of abuse, I noticed that he was just in jeans and no T-shirt. And so instead of the first words coming out of my mouth of, we're on fire, it was, oh, together we make a full set of clothing. <laughs> not what you want to say when your flat is on fire (laughs) couldn't believe it but Colin didn't rise to this because he was too gripped by the sight over my shoulder as the fire was now creeping up the stairs and so straight away he bundled me into the flat and said there's a way out onto the fire escape through his kitchen window and so we went through there as quickly as we could smoke was starting to fill his flat as well Went into the kitchen, and there was only one window in the kitchen. And there was a sink, and there was a long window with one of the handles that you can open, and there was a small window above it. So I thought, brilliant, get on the sink, out we go through the big window. Colin said things weren't that simple. The landlord had nailed shut the big window to prevent burglaries. (laughs) And so the only open window in this flat was the small one right above. And you know when you have a conversation through a series of glances? We both looked at the window. We both looked at me. We both looked at the window again. We both looked at him. And it was an unspoken thing that I should go first. Should a Winnie the Pooh moment occur. And I get stuck. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was just insane. And so... There I am, I've climbed up on the sink, my head's got through the window, my shoulders have got through the window, my body was starting to fit through. If there was ever a physical sign of a physical miracle from God, this was it, okay? There was no way I should be getting through this window, but something happened and I got stuck. But it wasn't me. There was still space either side of me. And what happened was, you know the little latch on the bottom of a window when you open it up? That got stuck on the neck of my t-shirt, which was now pulling down. The irony of the fact that I'd chosen to wear this T-shirt not three minutes earlier was completely lost on me at this point. And so I began out, I'm stuck. What am I going to do? And this, t- this catch was just stuck on the neck of my T-shirt. And so I began to wriggle, and Colin began to push more and more. And slowly the neck of the T-shirt began to rip on the catch, and it continued to stay there. And colin managed to push me out of the window. and This thing ripped down the front of my T-shirt, and I was just there with a waistcoat instead of a T-shirt <laughs> blowing around me. And I landed in a floor and the stairwell. And Colin landed beside me, coughing and spluttering. As we looked back in the window, you couldn't see in the kitchen anymore. There was just smoke and this orange glow. And so we went up onto the roof. And then, obviously, the next problem is we now... Well, I'm semi-naked, standing on top of a burning building. What happens next? But trust me, if you've ever seen a semi-naked man on the top of a burning building, job one is get them off. Um, so the firemen were great, and they came and helped us down. That story has shaped a lot of who I am uh, since then. I I can't go out on bonfire nights. I'm still absolutely terrified of fire. And God still continually speaks to me about this story. But it wasn't the fire which God really spoke to me about. It was my T-shirt. What I chose to wear could have had a very serious impact on me and Colin that night. Why I chose to wear a T-shirt, I don't know. But the fact I did almost shaped a very short life. And God actually said to myself, why? Why would you put on the t-shirt? What are you clothing yourself with? And that's what I couldn't escape from this, for this morning. What are you clothing yourself with? Our choice in clothes is extremely important. And when we look at the verses that shape this teaching series, it's 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 25. It says, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crane that will not last, but we do it to get a crane that will last forever. And I'm so thankful that the the Olympics are going on at the the moment. And think about the strict training these athletes go through. Their clothing matters. If they turned up in a woolly jumper to go and run their race, would they be able to run it? No. No. And it's the same when we're running our race for God. What we wear matters. If you you had two people that were of equal ability to run a race, and one was in their athletic clothing, and one was in a three-piece suit, who would win? Clothing matters. And I'd love it if this morning I could just stand here and talk to you about fashion, but this goes deeper than that. What are you clothing yourself in spiritually? What are you choosing to wear and carry in your race? Our clothes are things that define us. We choose them because they say something about our personality, our likes and our dislikes. Our spiritual clothes are how we present ourselves. How do you feel about yourself? And I started to do some research about the things we could clothe ourselves in. Um, Psalm 109 verse 29. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace. May their humiliation cover them like a cloak. Proverbs 14 verse 18. Simpletons are clothed with foolishness, but the prudence are crowned with knowledge. We can wear so many different things. We can put on ourselves disgrace, shame, foolishness, pride, humiliation, guilt, worry. How many people put on worry in the morning? Impatience. The idea that you're worthless, that you don't matter. We can be Christians and we can accept Christ into our lives. But we can still choose to put on these things. These things that get in the way of our relationship with God. These things that stop us from running the race. And sometimes, I find myself doing this. We can wear these things and somebody will challenge us on it. And we go, but this is just who I am. This is just me. But that's not the case. Some of us have been wearing these labels for so long, you don't even know how to live without them. How to live without these clothes. It's like they're stuck to us. Again, I was living in Liverpool and living the lifestyle I, I lived, sometimes you'd find yourself without a home and I, I was homeless for three months and I lived in a little um, like alleyway hole next to a shop in the middle of Liverpool and I spent three months in the same outfit living on the street and you do everything in these clothes, I mean everything, you've got nothing. When it finally came and my friends found me to take off these clothes, some of them we couldn't take off Some of them had to be peeled off me because of the filth and the grime and the mess that I was living in. They were physically stuck to my body. I couldn't do it on my own. My friends had to declothe me. And that's how some of us can feel like we're living. That you've been living with these labels, these things that God does not say over us. That you can't take them off. You might have put these spiritual clothes on yourself or other people might have spoken these things over you. And you just can't get rid of them. Things like shame. So difficult to take off sometimes. The idea sometimes that you're not worth it. Or that no one cares about you. These clothes have become more than just clothes. They've become things that have stuck to you. That don't fit. That stop you from living, moving and breathing. I, um, again, I went caving and potholing with some friends of mine a couple of years ago. And you all have to wear these wetsuits to go. And everyone put these wetsuits on, and I was last. And there was only one wetsuit left, and it was blatantly two sizes too small for me. And I said to the guy, I'm not getting in that. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm I'm really not getting into that. He said, yes, you are. And after 20 minutes of heaving and hoeing, he crammed me into this wetsuit. And the only way I could stand up was like this. (laughs) Which that's pain, and it was painful. It hurt. And then we were going caving and potholing. And I was, I was miles behind the rest of my mates and they kept shouting at me saying, why aren't you keeping up? Come on, we can't keep waiting for you. But I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk over these, I couldn't even move my legs up, my knees was locked. I didn't have to wear the wetsuit. I could have said to the guy, it doesn't fit, no. But I was like, yeah, sure. And I put it on. Some of these, sometimes these things that we wear stop us from completely living our lives. It feels like you can't breathe by it anymore. It's like a chain. And these are clothes that we wear. But we don't have to wear them. I mean, that's why Jesus came, so that we don't. Jesus died on the cross so we could be free from our sin. He was the sacrifice that we couldn't make. And because of this, our sins have been washed away. It's amazing. When we accept Christ in our lives, we're submitting ourselves over to him. We become clean. He washes away the sin, these clothes, these labels that we wear. And we can live free from them. And this is expressed so brilliantly in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Just think about that. Anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. That that old person, it's gone And that a new life has begun. These things that you believe in yourself, they're not true. And when you accept Christ into your life, you become a new creation. These things like sin, shame, disgrace, humiliation, guilt, worthlessness. That can be gone. You don't have to be chained by them. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't even see these things Because they're not true. He sees you, he sees all of you, every ounce of you. Not these things that you think you clothe yourself in. God loves you so much that he sent his son to come and die for us. Why? Because he wants you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's exactly how God feels about you. Sometimes we can throw away that idea but that's how he feels. The clothes that you wear is not what God sees. God loves you and he wants to be near to you. And these these labels that we wear, they can get in the way of that. Look at Galatians 4 verses 5 to 7 and it helps us to see how God sees us. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba, Father, and this I love this bit. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are, his, since you are his, his child, God has made you his heir. That's how he feels that you are His child, that you're not a slave. That's how He thinks about you, the maker of the universe, the God of all things, the king of kings, past, present and future, that you're his child. And then think about it. What are you wearing? Whose truth are you wearing? Is it yours? Is it the truth that other people have said to you that that's what you're like? Or do you wear the truth that God gives us? And to run this race as God wants us, we've got to start accepting these things and reject some of the things that we wear. But there's something else this morning as well that when I was digging into this, God really challenged me on and I couldn't hide from it. God was asking me, do I try and wear him like a piece of clothing? Do you attempt to wear God? And seriously, ask yourself that question now. Don't just let this be a moment that washes away. Do you attempt to wear God? How are you running? How are you running? are you attempting to wear God this morning? Is he like your favourite t-shirt that you put on? (laughs) Really think about it. Because there's only one problem if you see God as your favourite t-shirt that you put on. You can take him off again. So that means you're seeing God, the maker of the universe, the God of all things, the person and the thing that loves us most. Something that we have the power to take on and take off. Do we choose that? I've caught myself doing it so many times. Like I, I can really, de- I can compartmentalise my life and have, this is Zion, and this is where I'm a Christian and these are my friends from church and this is where I wear God. And this is where I go to work, this is school. They don't need to see this side of me so I'll take God off and I'll just go to work. I've done it so many times that I can take God on and off and then you ask yourself, how's your race going? Look again. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who accepts Christ is a new person. It's not, you become, you accept Christ and then you get given this lovely item of clothing that you can choose when to put on and take off. If you were given Usain Bolt's lycra, in all of its glory, and you put it on in the bedroom in the morning, and he said, I'm going to go and run to the shop. Could you go and run like Usain Bolt? Of course you couldn't. You're still you underneath it. Colossians 3 is brilliant at illustrating this. And I was really guided towards this, and I literally fell in love with it. And it's a bit of a chunk, so I apologise. But please, if you've got your Bibles or something, read along with me. And it's Colossians 3, verses 1 to 15. And it's just fantastic at looking at this idea. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity lust and evil desires don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of the world because of these things the anger of god is coming you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world but now is the time to get rid of anger rage malicious behavior slander and dirty language Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I just, I'm just i in love with that scripture at the moment. It's really sitting in my heart. And the first part of it addresses the fact that Jesus is more than a coat you clothe yourself with. It says that you've been raised to a new life with Christ. And verse 3 says you died to this earthly life. And that means you're dead to all the earthly things that you end up labelling yourself and clothing yourself with. Verse 11 backs up this idea that Christ lives in all of us. He's more than a coat you wear. If you've accepted Christ, he lives in you. He's a part of you and he's not something you can take off. Colossians then speaks of all the things we should clothe ourselves with. Tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and above all love. These are things that we can wear on the outside so that people can see that God is in us. And because we're this new creation in Christ, these clothes, they fit. They let you run the race. They don't stop you. They don't restrict you. We become new people within so that we're able to wear these clothes on the outside. So Olympic-sized clothes. That's what God is. God's clothes aren't things that you throw on in the morning. God's clothes clothe us from the inside out. You're a new creation in Christ, with Christ in you. And that's how he clothes you, from the inside out. And I don't know any other clothing in the world that does that. That's how big God's clothing is. It's not just something that you throw on. It's something that lives in you and envelops you and embraces you. I'd just like to invite the worship team back up, is that alright? This morning there's a lot of questions being thrown at you. And this is a real time for you to be honest and look at yourselves in your hearts. This isn't a time for looking at each other. As I was writing this, God was just like, this is for you as well. Look inside yourself. If we're going to run the race that God desires, we need to accept that God isn't something we throw on, but that Christ lives in us, and that means we've got to let go of ourselves for him. And I think some of you this morning really need to spend some time and accept that truth, that actually you might feel connected to Christ on the inside right now, or well, you might not, but actually is that something you live with every day, that you feel that new creation in Christ every day, Some of you might be sitting there and you feel a bit disconnected to that God on the inside. And that you need that connecting. For some of you this might be the first time that you've ever thought about it. Just close your eyes a minute. And focus on yourselves. I'd like to pray for some people this morning. If you feel this morning that you need to reconnect with that God that's living inside of you whether that's for the first time or whether this is just something to get you back there. If you need something to make sure that you're connected and recognise that God that lives in you every day, I'd like to pray for you and I'd like you to please stand now. pray for these people standing thank you for your courage God thank you that these people have said I need to connect with you the new creation that lives in Christ God please just come into their hearts make your presence known and vibrant reach out and fill them so that they feel completely connected with you so that they feel like they are the new creation that they are with you, God. Speak to them so clearly and let them know that you're there and that you're loving them and that you're holding them and that you will never go anywhere. Hold them close and light up their lives. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing and continue to work in these people. If you'd all like to stand now to join them, please. Great. We're going to go into a period of worship and response time. And um, as we do this, I want you to think are you wearing some clothes that you need to take off? For some of you, you don't feel like you can take them off yourself, that you need God to step in and do it for you. Because there are these things getting in the way, these labels guilt, worry, the idea that you're worthless because you're not. God loves you, every ounce of you with everything that he has. And we're going to go and we're going to worship this morning. And as we're doing that, if you feel that that's you, that you need to take off these clothes that bind you, that restrict you, that stop you from breathing, that stop you from walking, that stop you from running then come forward because we want to pray with you. Because it's only through God can we do this. Two of the labels I used to wear, alcoholic, drug addict. I couldn't get rid of those things. But because of God, those clothes are gone. Because of God, you can take off these things. So I say, please, as we worship, just come forward. We want to pray with you. God, thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. I want to thank you that you're not this thing that just lives around us that you're in us and that you love every single one of us you look in us and you see us and you're so proud and you love us with everything and all you want is to see us free that is why you sent your son so that we could live free with you please God we just hold ourselves up now and say if there's anything getting in the way please take it away God Take it off us, so that we can live in life with you, running the race that you have for us, in a way that you know that we can. In your name we pray these things, God. Amen.